Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. You probably heard it said that life is a marathon and not a sprint. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. Now, opinions abound as to who was the first person to come up with this quote. If you look on the internet, uh, it will say that Dr. Phil is responsible for that. I'm pretty sure that's not true. But people love the quote. They hate the quote. They don't understand it because they're not a runner. I think there's some wisdom in this quote, especially as we consider the idea of faithfulness today. So Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he said, Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. And run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I think that running a marathon is a good analogy for us for life because running a marathon is hard. I know. I've done it. By the way, you know the time-tested way to know whether someone has run a marathon or not. Oh, trust me, they'll tell you. (laughs) It's hard work. Now, some people make it look easier. Uh, Recently, Molly Seidel, young woman, 27 years old from Wisconsin, she won the Olympic bronze. It was only her third marathon ever. It's unbelievable, someone with that little experience uh, to win a medal at the Games. Although, don't be fooled. She'd been running a long time. And she was a really good runner. She'd won many national championships at shorter distances. But running is hard work. You have to pace yourself. You have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's how you finish a marathon. You just keep going. I can tell you, I was not a very impressive marathon runner. Uh, Probably for about the last eight miles, I have no idea, like, what was happening. I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, and I just kept going so slowly. And that's how life is. There are days when you just put one foot in front of the other. You get up, and you keep going. Running a marathon takes grit. It takes stamina. It takes endurance. It takes a factor of something that we could characterize as faithfulness. And so today, as we continue in this series uh, called Intended for Good, based on the life of Joseph, we're going to focus on faithfulness. Now, Joseph certainly was not perfect, but one of the characteristics that stands out in his life, as it's told in the biblical narrative, is that he was faithful. Through various challenges, various circumstances, no matter what position he was put in, he chose to be faithful to where the Lord had placed him. Before we get back into Joseph's story, let's talk for just a minute about the biblical characteristic of faithfulness. So here's one definition I offer to you. Faithfulness is the characteristic of being reliable, steadfast, and unwavering. Now, the Bible talks about faithfulness in a number of ways. First of all, it is a characteristic of God. That's how we know what faithfulness is. We would not even have a clue what faithfulness looks like if God did not show us himself faithfulness. We just read about it. In Deuteronomy this morning, we have sung about it this morning. God is a God who is faithful. From the very beginning of this story to the end, he is a God who has proven that he is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. God is always 
faithful. So that is our example. God is faithful, but yet it's a characteristic of us. As God's people, we are to reflect the image and likeness of God, and one of the ways that we do that is through growing in faithfulness. Now, the Bible talks two ways about our faithfulness. It talks about it as something that we have, but also something that we're growing in. So it's kind of like salvation. If you are in Christ, you are justified. You are saved by God, but yet sanctification says that you're not there yet and that you're still being saved by God. You're being redeemed. So it's true about you, but it's also still becoming true about you. I think the same is true of faithfulness. The Bible describes us as God's people as the faithful, the ones who believe, the ones who hold steadfast to God because he is holding to us. We are faithful, but yet it's also a characteristic that we're growing in. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence that God is at work in our lives, making us more like Jesus and better reflecting God. And so a God who is faithful is making us into his faithful people. So it's something that is true, but yet we're also growing in as our lives are being transformed. Now, we are often allured by ideas like success and winning, getting the best grade, having the best metrics at work, getting to a certain level or status or position in life. But I'm learning, and I would imagine it's true of you, you're learning that many of the most important things in life, it's hard to measure in terms of winning or losing. In fact, I think the real litmus test is in terms of faithfulness. The relationships that God has called you to, you're called to be faithful. The things that God has called you to do, we're called to be faithful. We think that God wants us to be successful and to produce a certain amount of fruit and get certain results. But God is the one who determines the outcome. Ultimately, what he calls us to as his people is to be faithful, to trust in him, to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to keep coming back to him, to keep trusting in him. Eugene Peterson wisely described discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction. I love that. That sounds like marathon running, a long obedience in the same direction. That's life. We're called to a long obedience. Now, one of the biggest challenges that we face in this journey is discouragement. Yes? Anybody in the room? You get discouraged. We all get discouraged. We, we, we battle that in different ways in our lives. So, so how do we remain encouraged and stay faithful when we're so tired? We're worn out. We're discouraged. How do we do that? How do we stay faithful? We need to hear from God. That's what we need. We need to hear from God about who he is. We need to hear from God about his faithfulness. We need to hear from God about his plan. We need to hear from God what he thinks about us and what is true about us. We need his power. We need the filling of his Holy Spirit every day because we get discouraged. We need the encouragement of the body of Christ. We need each other. That's what we need to be faithful today. So throughout the story of Joseph, we see that God was preparing him for really this moment that we've read about today when he's going to be transitioning from being in prison to really being promoted into a level of incredible influence that he could never have imagined. And God was training him to be faithful for this moment. But Joseph learned how to be faithful, not in the moment when things seemed to be going for him again. He learned faithfulness in the trenches of life. Things did not seem to be going so well. And the question for all of us to ask ourselves 
is will I be faithful today? Not tomorrow when things seem to work themselves out. Not tomorrow when life will get less busy. Yeah, right, that doesn't happen. Not, not tomorrow when suddenly I have less responsibilities. Not when I get in a different stage of life. Will I be faithful today with the relationships that God has placed in my life and with what he's called me to do? Will I be faithful? I think that's the path to peace and it's the path to spiritual formation. And I think it's the path forward. Because today is always the training ground for faithfulness tomorrow. I think one of the great pieces of wisdom we see in Joseph's story is that learning to be faithful today prepares us to be faithful tomorrow. Don't wait till tomorrow to grow in faithfulness. Today, the circumstances that you're facing, that is what will prepare you for tomorrow's challenges. Faithfulness is a long-haul deal. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's a marathon. And so the portion of Joseph's story we're looking at today is, again, it's a big turning point in Joseph's life. He's propelled from the prison cell to the royal court. Like Solomon and Daniel, Joseph is presented here as a wise man who had skills greater than his contemporaries. His wisdom is demonstrated through interpreting dreams, his skillful speech, and his insightful plan to deal with the coming crisis. Yet the teller of the story and Joseph himself continue to be clear that it is only based on God's grace and God's mercy, weaving his good intentions into Joseph's multicolored and multilayered fabric of his life. It is only through that that Joseph can do what God has called him to do. So as we focus on this attribute of faithfulness, I think we can see several important themes unfold. The first one, nobody likes this word, but patience. Patience. We didn't read the whole chapter, but this chapter begins, chapter 41, with saying, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Things don't often move as quickly as we would like. We all want quick change. We want microwave discipleship. We want to wake up tomorrow and be better than we were the day before. Things tend to move slowly, and God has a very different view of time than we do. And often when we read stories in the Bible, we see progress and change, but we forget how much time passes between chapters and between books of the Bible and between sections of the Bible. And in fact, a lot happens sometimes between the period at the end of one sentence and the first word in the next sentence. Here we see it's two full years have passed. See, we we just read the story quickly. We go from one point to the next, and we forget that there's a lot of faith and a lot of faithfulness required in those in-between spaces, between the end of a period and the start of the next sentence. And it's true in your life as well. Most of our life is lived in these in-between moments, very ordinary days, very ordinary faithfulness that God calls us to. And so Joseph had to be faithful in these in-between moments moments. If we're going to be faithful, we have to have an enduring and persisting patience. It's not a a passive waiting. It's not just sitting around saying, okay, God, I don't have anything to do. I'll just wait on you to move. No, it's a very active listening and waiting and conversation with God and a lot of prayer that goes into those in-between moments before we make the next big decision or before God moves us into the next season of our lives. If we're going to be faithful, we've got to learn to be patient. The second thing is our posture. Verse 16, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. 
When Joseph is brought before Pharaoh, he is careful to deny that he is a trained expert in dream interpretation. He says, I didn't go to school for this. I don't know what I'm doing, but I serve a God who empowers me and who has enabled me to understand dreams miraculously. It's not my skill and effort. You see, Pharaoh had these wise guys and and these dream interpreters, and he brought all them in, and he told them the dream. And it seems like it's pretty straightforward when Joseph explains it to us. But none of them could figure it out. What's going on there? Well, some have surmised that God just enabled, like closed their minds and enabled them not to understand the dream so that Joseph could come along and give the answer to prove that God was in control. Maybe that's what happened. We don't know. But we know that Joseph is quick to give the credit to the Lord. He takes a posture of humility. Now, we have to understand the difference between false humility and true humility. I think false humility primarily comes in the form of self-deprecation. So someone might praise you. They might thank you for doing a good job. And what is your instinct? Oh, no, I'm not good at that. I, you know, I'm just really bad. No, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking rightly about yourself. It's thinking accurately. It's having the humility to know your own limitations. But it's not just dogging on yourself and beating yourself up. That's, that's not humility. That's false humility. A true humility points all credit and praise to God. We can accept praise from people. Someone can tell you you did a great job and you can say thank you. And you can also say I'm, I'm grateful to the Lord for giving me that opportunity, for giving me the ability, for, for pointing them. It's not that we can't encourage or praise one another, but we want to direct it. We want to direct our lives and the good things not to ourself, but to God because we're not worthy of glory, right? If we point people to to ourselves, they will be disappointed every time. If we point them to God, they will never be disappointed. Now, they may experience disappointment, but ultimately, we can trust that God will show himself faithful and true. So we want to seek to live our lives for the glory of God and the good of others. And I think Joseph tried to do that, not perfectly, but he's a good example for us, especially here in this pivotal moment. He's quick to say, I can't do it, but God can. And that's a great posture for our lives. Now, there's a phrase here in verse 16. It says, God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. That doesn't mean the answer he wants. That doesn't mean a desirable outcome. He's saying God will give to Pharaoh an answer, the answer that he is looking for. He's searching for an answer. It turns out it's bad news, but sometimes we're grateful even for bad news. You have something going on in your health. You're wondering, what what is going on here? You go to the doctor, and sometimes you know you're going to get a bad report, but a bad report is better than no report. You just want an answer. And so Pharaoh here is relieved just to get an answer and to know what is happening so they can prepare. Now, I don't have to spend a lot of time here unpacking the details of of the dreams because it's pretty straightforward. There were two dreams. They were the same dream. There's going to be seven really good years, and then there's going to be seven really bad years. And so Joseph goes beyond what is asked of him. He gives not only an interpretation of the dream, but he offers a plan for how to respond to this revelation. So that's where we see the next phase of faithfulness that's presented here, which is planning. Verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. They liked the plan that Joseph provided. I think sometimes we sort of posture planning as being in conflict with trust. So we say, okay, well, we're either going to trust in God and we're just going to leave all the results to him or we're going to 
plan and think and use wisdom and come up with ideas and strategies for how we can deal with things. I don't think they're inherently in conflict. You can do both. Now, there is a way that in our human power we try to plan things with with leaving God out, but I think planning is not necessarily in conflict with trusting in God. We can make plans and yet still know that we're trusting in the Lord. So let me give you an example. When it comes to preaching, some people will say, you know, you just need to be led by the Holy Spirit, which in their mind means you just stand up there and you just wing it. And you just trust that God's going to give you the words to say. Now, God can do that. And sometimes God, and and even in my own life, there's been times that I've been called upon to preach and I was not really prepared. Uh, And I had to rely and trust in the Holy Spirit. But I think there also can be a sense that God is speaking ahead of time. Imagine that. He doesn't just have to speak in the moment. He can honor and he can speak to a pastor in preparing the sermon ahead of time. They're not in conflict. Planning is part of being faithful. Now, there's an often told anecdotal story or a parable. You've probably heard some variation of it. It goes something like this, at least the one I tell. So there was a man who was thrown overboard by a ship during a bad storm, and he was lost on the open sea. And he prayed to God that God would save him. A little while later, another boat came along and sent out a life preserver line to the man. And the man said, no thanks, I don't need that. I've prayed to God, and he is going to help me. A little while later, a helicopter came along and dropped down a rope ladder to the man to save him. And he said, nope, I don't need your help. I have prayed to God, and he is going to help me. A little while later, the man was praying, and he said, God, save me, help me. And God said, I sent you a boat, I sent you a helicopter, pay attention. Now, helpful or otherwise, and yes, cheesy, I understand, it's what we do as pastors. I think the point of the parable is that sometimes the provision of God doesn't look like what we're expecting. Sometimes God works in miraculous ways. It's outside of the ordinary means that we would be expecting. God does that. I believe he does miracles. But I also believe many times God provides through very ordinary ways, through giving us wisdom, through helping us plan. And so if you knew that a seven-year famine was coming, would you just say, okay, Lord, we're just going to trust you when it comes? Or would you say, no, God has revealed to us this is coming. So what do you think we should do? We should plan ahead. God will give us the wisdom. Now, both in the planning and in the preparation, we we can trust in the Lord. Here is where we see that the story takes a big turn. And the next phase of faithfulness is that we see a promotion in the life of Joseph. So Pharaoh asked him, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all of this known to you, There's no one so discerning and wise as you, and you shall be in charge of all my palace, and all my people will submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh, just like Potiphar earlier in the story, recognizes in Joseph something that could only be explained as divine favor. Something different about you, Joseph. Something different about us as the people of God with the Holy Spirit living in us. In many ways, We're human. We're human just like everybody else. We're going to make mistakes. We're all in the same playing field. But yet also there is a defining to our lives. We do have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the fragrance of Christ on our lives as the New Testament explains. 
And they recognize this in Joseph. He's demonstrated a level of character and faithfulness and favor that makes him the one who is the right one to fill the resume for the job. And so he gets a promotion. And sometimes we see that faithfulness today is preparing us for an even bigger platform later, for something bigger. That was true in Joseph's life. But I also want to be careful that we don't treat this as some kind of simplistic formula. We have to be careful that we don't build a theology of promotion that the Bible does not promise. You see, some people will say if you work hard enough at your job and if you do the right thing and if you're a good enough Christian, whatever that means, God will promote you. He'll give you a better job. He'll give you a nicer car. He'll give you a better retirement. But that's simply not always the case. God is not a cosmic vending machine. He is not a genie in a bottle. We don't just order up things. We don't just make God do things. God is God and we are not. And in fact, sometimes faithfulness to God doesn't look like a promotion from human standards at all. Paul, the disciples, countless Christians throughout the ages, their faithfulness to God has resulted in them being put to death, in their persecution and their death. Now, sometimes God is preparing us for a bigger platform A good example of that is a man named Andrew Brunson. He's a pastor, a missionary. You may have heard of him. Uh, He's rose really to national prominence. He was a missionary in Turkey for over two decades, and he was falsely accused and placed in prison for over two years. It was a horrible experience. Now, God in his mercy chose to bring Andrew out of prison. That's not the story, and he'll tell you. Not everybody has that ending, but it was his ending. And in a way, his story mirrors Joseph. And that he was faithful to God through it all. And now God was preparing him for a time now when he would have an even bigger platform. When more people would listen to him. And he had voice to share with them the good news of God's grace and mercy in his life. Andrew's life in a lot of ways is like Joseph's. But the truth is that that's not how all of our stories go. Sometimes faithfulness to God results in our lives being more challenging. And being more difficult in the short run. Of course we know the eternal perspective. We know ultimately our faithfulness and God's faithfulness in our lives is taking us to a much better place. But from day to day and this side of heaven, it's not always the case. Sometimes the promotion doesn't feel very much like a promotion. Finally, we see in the story of Joseph that it's a foreshadow of the life of Jesus Christ. Just as Joseph would go through incredible hard times in order to bring him to a place where later he would have incredible influence, we know that that is the story of Jesus Christ as well. It's told for us in Philippians chapter 2. It says, In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue acknowledge that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. We see the divine mystery. It's unfolding in the life of Joseph. Despite hardship, despite suffering, God is faithful to Joseph and is working through imperfect people and imperfect circumstances to accomplish his perfect will and his perfect plan. We don't always have language to unpack this divine mystery. The truth is it takes faith to believe in a God with good intentions when all around us we see pain and suffering and hardship. 
not just around us, but even in our own lives, we experience that. And it takes faith to believe that God is still working in those hard moments. But it's not a blind leap. It's, it, it's not a faith that is not credible. It's not something that doesn't make sense. No, it's a faith that's based on actual historical circumstances. It's a faith that's based on a God who's demonstrated his faithfulness to his people throughout history, and it's been recorded for us in a book. It's faith, but it's a faith that, is, that makes sense. It's not just a crutch for weak, feeble people. No, it's, it's our belief and it's our experience that believing in the faithfulness of God makes an actual difference in our lives. It's real. We know it. We experience it. So I have two questions for you I want you to consider as we take this text into our lives and we think about this idea of faithfulness. The first one is, how can I know and experience and celebrate the faithfulness of God? Why? Because you get discouraged. You need to celebrate it regularly. You need to remember God's faithfulness. So the first question is about God's faithfulness. How can I remember it? How can I celebrate it? How can I know it and experience it? The second question is, what does it look like for me to be faithful right now? Based on a God who is faithful and celebrating that truth, how can I right now be faithful? Not tomorrow, not worrying about the past, thinking about today. What does faithfulness look like in my life? What does it look like to be faithful to God? I want you to think about that question this week. I want you to pray about that. I want you to think about this idea of faithfulness. To ask God in prayer, God, how can you help me today to be faithful? based on your faithfulness to me. Would you join me as we pray about this? Heavenly Father, you are good and you are faithful and you are true. And Lord, today we come and we renew our trust in you together as a people, knowing that our stories in many ways are unique, but yet we're all in this together. We're all facing discouragement. We're all facing hard things. And God, you ask us, to trust in you, to place our faith in you, to keep walking towards you one foot in front of the other in a long obedience. So God, I pray for my friends today, whatever they're facing, whatever discouragement is in their life, Lord, that you would encourage them with your faithfulness and goodness. Lord, you would reveal yourself to them in a new and fresh way. And God, that we would see that you are faithful and that we can follow you in faithfulness as well by your power. And for your glory, God, help us to be faithful to the end. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.
saying this morning that his translation means praise be to God to praise him for who he is to praise him for the things he's done to praise him for the hope that he brings to each and every one of us let's sing that together
Can you say amen on that? That's our story. That's the story of a faithful God, and you have been swept up into it, my friends. So receive his grace, receive his mercy, believe in his faithfulness, be sent out, encouraged, knowing that God is for you. And therefore, who can be against you? God is for you. He loves you, and he is faithful. As you go forth from this place, may you know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, friends, to love and serve the Lord.